was Frank Batten, most of you know, but it never hurts to be refreshed. He was a media pioneer, an entrepreneur, a philanthropist, but he was virtually unknown outside of the media circles and outside of Hampton Roads. Uh, Frank, as many of you know, uh, was a Norfolk native and at the age of 27 he took over his uncle's newspapers and over a nearly half century career grew them into the, not only the newspapers but two billion dollar businesses. And of course the Weather Channel is the most well known but there was also, of course, the Virginia Pilot, the News and Record in Greensboro, North Carolina, the Roanoke Times, 100 smaller community and daily newspapers from Los Alamos, New Mexico to Annapolis, Maryland. And his company under the umbrella of Landmark Communications also owns TV stations in Nashville and Las Vegas. And its Dominion Enterprises publishes hundreds of paid and free magazines in 35 states and four countries, which I didn't know before, and I think that's really exciting. Um, Frank was a, a graduate of Culver Military Academy, University of Virginia, and Harvard Business School, and he was the first rector of what is now Old Dominion University. His son, Frank Jr., took over the company in 1998, and 10 years later, Frank decided to uh, put all of Landmark businesses up for sale. And in uh, 2008, the Weather Channel sold for a mere $3.5 billion. And uh, Frank Sr. died two, uh, two years ago uh, last Saturday. In interviewing Frank for over 150 hours in a space of about two years, there were three main takeaways. One was by starting the Weather Channel, he helped change the face of the media in the 20th century. Secondly, he was revered for his leadership abilities and for his strong ethics, values, and principles. And thirdly, his philanthropy will have a tremendous impact on generations to come. And yet, in spite of all these accomplishments and achievements, Frank Batten spent his entire life trying to prove to himself that he was worthy of following in his uncle's footsteps. So first of all, how did he change the face of the media? He did that in multiple ways. The, the biggest, of course, was through the Weather Channel, also through Telecable, and as chairman of the Associated, Associated Press. And he helped turn that nonprofit news org organization, the biggest in the world, around. Um, it was having some fiscal problems, and through his leadership abilities, he was able to do that. Um, Telecable started in 1964 with $15,000. Uh, that Landmark invested in a cable franchise in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina. And when it sold in 1995, it sold for $1.5 billion. That was one of his $2 billion companies. The Weather Channel is the main one, and that's what we'll concentrate on. Uh, the Weather Channel remains the only cable and satellite delivered network pretty much in the world. I asked somebody, is there another one? And there is one 24-hour, seven-day-a-week station or network in Australia, but it's a small one. Um, so the Weather Channel really remains the only cable and satellite-delivered weather network. In 2010, the Weather Channel uh, became the first news and information network to reach 100 million subscribers. 100 million, I mean, that's a lot. It's the second most widely distributed cable network after the Discovery Channel. 
and after Facebook, Weather.com is the second most used app on all smartphones. During Hurricane Irene, more people watch the Weather Channel than any other network. Number two is Fox, three was CNN, and then MSNBC. And according to the New York Times, the day that Irene hit our area, that Saturday, uh, it represented the channel's highest rating, this is through Nielsen ratings, for what they call a whole day in its history. For a quarter hour that day, as Irene pummeled the Outer Banks, the channel had more than 400, uh, excuse me, 4 million viewers. I mean, that's, that's just mind-boggling to me. And that surpassed the quarter-hour viewership of nearly 4 million during Hurricane Katrina. So even though it turned out that Irene wasn't as powerful as Katrina, more people watched it this time around. And it also changed the way meteorologists all over do the weather. I mean, if you travel anywhere in this country and turn on the news and the weather, you'll see weathermen out there with little um, rulers measuring the snow in the, in the winter, or else they're hanging onto light poles as a, as a strong storm goes by. And none of that happened before the Weather Channel. Another thing that the Weather Channel did was there was a technology called STAR, and it enables that advertising crawl at the bottom of the screen that you see. And when I was talking to Frank about it, he said that, um, that that was one of the ways they were a pioneer in the cable business. And by developing STAR, it, he said it gave us the ability that nobody else has to deliver local advertising in a national media. And he said that's still unique. He said, I don't know why other people haven't copied it, but they haven't. Secondly, I wanted to talk about his leadership skills. And many, or probably most of you in this room, are aware of what an incredible leader Frank Batten was. In fact, he said that leadership is the most important quality for business. He said you have to have the ability, the instinct, and the desire to lead, and then you have to have the desire to win and do the right thing. He believed that a leader needs integrity, strong values, and to have those strong values by being clear of who you are and what you stand for. He believed that to be a successful leader, one needs to have a strong team, and I don't know if there are any landmark folks in the audience, I can't, I can't see, uh, but he believed you had to pick the right folks and create an environment where they can succeed. And all you have to do uh, is look around, uh, even in this museum, at the, the quality of the landmark senior executives, the W. Wins, the Dick Berries, the Conrad Halls. I mean, it's just uh, Louis Ryan's, it just goes on and on, and they've made a big difference in this community. So he, uh, Dick, um, uh, Frank Batten thought you have to set higher standards, develop your executives, let them make mistakes. Um, uh, w. Wynn talked about just kind of letting them run and make those mistakes. Uh, Frank Batten believed in keeping his word, and he would say no matter how hard it might be or how much pain it might have caused, he eliminated, eliminated arrogance in, throughout Landmark. He, he wouldn't tolerate backbiting. And he said, and I quote, having a good bullshit meter was important in order to figure out if somebody was telling the truth. Trust was critical to him and to his success. He placed trust in the people who worked with him, um, he believed trust was, was paramount, and he said there was nothing he would rather hear than that Landmark as a business 
uh, was a trusted company. Integrity was key. And this was at a time when others in the media were going to jail, people like Martha Stewart. Uh, my favorite is uh, Conrad Black, whose who's company owned the Chicago Sun-Times, and he was sentenced to uh, six and a half years for swindling the newspapers, uh, newspaper empire out of millions. And he appealed, once he was in prison, there were a lot of appeals, he was exonerated on some of them, um, but not all, and he was released, and now he just went back to prison last week. And he said, um, while he was there in prison, he wrote a book titled, A Matter of Principle. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and it's going to be released next week if you want to read it. And he, there was a quote, I just saw it in an interview yesterday, and he said, I can live on 80 million. This is of his greatly reduced wealth. At least I think I can. I mean, compare that kind of arrogance to a Frank Batten who was so self-effacing, who was so humble and so real. And then the people like Donald Trump who filed for bankruptcy four times and John Riga from Adelphia Communications who was sentenced to 15 years. So instead, hear what two industry executives had to say about Frank Batten. The late Kay Graham from the Washington Post told Batten he was probably the best executive in our industry, and she asked him to merge his company with the Washington Post and run it. And Jim Collins, as many, have you read, many of you have read his books, and in his book, Built to Last, cited Landmark as a visionary company, and one that did not rely on short-term achievements. Winston Churchill was Frank Batten's hero, and he said about leadership, Enduring setbacks while maintaining the ability to show others the way to go forward is a true test of leadership. Enduring setbacks while maintaining the ability to show others the way to go forward is a true test of leadership. And as most of you know, Frank Batten had had a laryngectomy two years before he started the Weather Channel, two years before taking over the Associated Press. And here he was teaching himself how to speak again with a a newly developed prosthesis, and that to me is a real sense of his amazing courage and leadership. Or to bring it closer to home, as Dubby Wynn said, and Dubby was the CEO of Landmark, Dubby said, Frank Batten was the most incredible person I have ever had the privilege to know. So, and then lastly, what about the generations, the, the impact that he will have for generations to come? He donated well over $400 million in his lifetime. A lot of his contributions, his philanthropy, it was anonymous, so we don't really know, or he didn't want anybody to know. And he made those contributions to UVA, Culver, Access here for all the high schools, TCC, Holland, ODU, Harvard, Virginia Wesleyan. The Hampton Roads Community Foundation will probably be the provider of the largest community fund in the country when the Slover, what's called the Slover Trust, is matures. And it's about 60 years from now. It's a complex uh, gift through something called a dynasty trust, a complex formula. And right now it's valued at $2 billion. Well, who knows what will happen in the next 50 to 60 years when it 
can be distributed with no strings attached throughout this area. Can you imagine $2 billion today? Hopefully it'll keep on growing, but we'll see what happens. And of course, um, that we've got a lot of wet, uh, Chrysler Museum paintings. I've got some photos if, if anybody wants to see those afterward. But what I'd like to do now is show you parts of one video. This was a, uh, the midsection of a video that we did for Landmark, and I had worked for Landmark, as uh, Lewis pointed out, for many years. And this was a video that will give you a better feel than having to listen to a talking head. You'll be able to see Frank Batten as a child, his uncle, and Frank Batten near the end of his life. By the time an enterprising 20-year-old advertising salesman named Samuel Slover entered the newspaper business, the 20th century was on the horizon, and the face of the nation was quickly changing. Sam Slover saw great possibility in the powerful printing presses that fused paper and ink into information that Americans were now consuming on a massive scale. He found his niche in newspapers. Slover came to Virginia from Tennessee looking for opportunity. He figured out what it took to build successful newspapers and pioneering radio and TV stations. And he did this with the highest ethical standards. It's always been important to us to have really high standards of ethics and honesty in all that we do, not only in how we report the news to report the news or forecast the weather in a really straightforward and accurate way, uh, but also in our dealings with advertisers and, and all of our different uh, business dealings too. As Slover's status grew, he served on the staff of Virginia Governor Westmoreland Davis, where he was given the honorary title of Colonel. He was later named Mayor of Norfolk. The Colonel merged newspapers in Norfolk and Portsmouth, Virginia, to create a family of newspapers that has evolved in what is today the Virginian pilot. In the process, Colonel Slover proved that integrity and business success can be part and parcel of the same enterprise. He had already instilled a lot of my standards, and what I did was try to perpetuate them. Standards that people can trust. If people can trust what you say and what you, they expect you to do, then I think they end up being much more successful. Frank Batten's father died when Frank was a toddler. Frank's mother and the colonel's wife were sisters, and Frank and his mother moved in with the Slovers, who had no children of their own. So at the age of 55, the colonel took on the roles of father, uncle, and grandfather to young Frank. Oh, he had a lot of influences on me because he was like my father. My father died when I was one. I didn't ever know him. People trusted him and responded to him. And, and that's really what I think was so strong about him. In 1954, the colonel entrusted the operation of his newspapers to Frank when his nephew was just 27 years old. Five years later, the colonel died. The business was now in Frank's hands. Frank Batten began to chart a new course for a company he would name Landmark Communications. We're also seeing a lot of drifting snow. One of Frank Batten's crowning successes is the Weather Channel, started in 1982. 
The Weather Channel is considered by many to be one of the most original creations in television. Ridiculed at first and operating deeply into the red early on, the Weather Channel has become the place to get the most useful up-to-date weather information both on television and online and it has become a very profitable enterprise. Of course, at the time that the Weather Channel was started, everybody thought that all of the niche networks would be a failure and people laughed at them. People laughed at ESPN, people laughed at CNN, and they laughed at the Weather Channel. But what has happened since then is the Weather Channel has become part of, gosh, American culture and part of everybody's daily life. They. Um, count on the Weather Channel to help them with decisions, big and small, um, that help them to enjoy their life better. The Weather Channel's success led to Landmark's acquisition of Weather Services International in 2000. WSI is the leading weather information service provider to businesses across the nation. It serves the needs of local TV broadcasters, aviation and energy companies, as well as governmental agencies. Weather Channel was only one of the challenges facing Frank Batten. Cancer of the vocal cords and a laryngectomy forced him to learn how to speak all over again. At the same time he was launching the Weather Channel, Batten was elected chairman of the Associated Press, the largest cooperative news gathering organization in the world. He took the lessons he learned from the Colonel, combined them with the Harvard Business School education and hard work to create a successful business enterprise. I think Frank Batten had a very disciplined, measured approach to building this company. Uh, it could have been much bigger, and you'll notice that a lot of the media companies are quite large, but he was not interested in being large for the sake of being large. He wanted to have a company that was manageable, a company that uh, could strive for quality, uh, and one that had a uh, strong balance sheet and was not in uh, danger of any, any mishaps. Um, what I'd like to do now is read just a little bit from the book about the start of the Weather Channel. On a hot Saturday afternoon in July 1983, a half dozen attorneys in Atlanta began a series of negotiations that would last through the night. The air conditioning in the Trust Company of Georgia building had automatically shifted to energy saving mode and powered down for the weekend. Tensions rose with the temperature. After pumping tens of millions of dollars into his struggling cable network, Frank Batten was pulling the plug on the Weather Channel. Batten knew he had been taking a big risk when he started the Weather Channel a year earlier. The brainchild of John Coleman, a weather personality on ABC's Good Morning America, the concept of a national weather network devoted to up-to-the-minute forecasts, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, had gone without backers before Batten learned of it. Growing up by the ocean, Batten believed that a weather network could save lives and protect homes and businesses. He knew the kind of terror a hurricane could wreak. When he was six years old, he was carried to safety through chest-deep water as a hurricane ripped through the mid-Atlantic, blasting sheets of seawater and sand through his family's Virginia Beach cottage and washing away two-story high dunes. The August 1933 storm, one of the worst on record, reshaped the Maryland coastline, cutting the, Atlanta, cutting the Ocean City Inlet, which still exists today. 
Batten's friends in the media were skeptical of a weather channel. Well, Frank, said Dan Burke, president of Capital Cities ABC, you've got a lot of guts. A nothing but weather network seemed like such an absurd idea that even Batten's senior managers ribbed him, crafting a time channel video. It was a spoof featuring close-ups of a large clock, its hands laboriously ticking away the seconds. Just two years after losing his vocal cords to cancer, Batten was determined to prove his critics wrong. But as his company, Landmark Communications, Inc., poured more than $32 million into the Weather Channel, losses mounted. Advertising revenue was small. Advertisers sank their cash into traditional broadcast TV, not cable programming. In the early 1980s, fewer than a quarter of American households with televisions subscribed to cable. The leadership style of John Coleman, who had been appointed chairman, president, and chief executive officer of the network didn't help. His bosses found him difficult and unpredictable. His employees found his behavior explosive and erratic. According to his contract, if the Weather Channel did not reach 87.5% of its targeted operating income in the first year, he could be fired. When Batten sought to oust Coleman from day-to-day -day management, Coleman secured a temporary restraining order from a Georgia Superior Court. Coleman won. Batten realized he had only one option, shut down the Weather Channel. But Batten, who also owned a group of television systems, wasn't about to destroy his good reputation in the cable industry or leave Weather Channel employees in the lurch. It would cost additional millions, but he planned to give cable affiliates and employees generous notice that the network was folding. Meanwhile, Coleman made the surprise announcement that he wanted to buy the network. Batten agreed to give him 30 days. In a meeting that began on July 16th, details were to be worked out for the proposed sale of the network to Coleman, as well as a settlement of the court injunction. Unless a deal was worked out that weekend, Landmark was going to shut down the Weather Channel on Monday morning. Fueled by adrenaline and caffeine, the negotiations continued for more than 20 hours. May I borrow your pencil? Landmark President Richard F. Berry III asked Conrad Shubadine, a Norfolk attorney who had been flown in for the negotiations. Shubadine handed him a pencil. Berry snapped it in two. That's it, he said, ending the marathon session shortly after daybreak on Sunday. A deal had finally been reached. Coleman was gone. Coleman was given the option to buy the Weather Channel. If he had been unable to come up with the purchase price with 30 days, all ownership and control reverted to Landmark. Batten, who was convinced Coleman wouldn't be able to raise the money, prepared to liquidate the network. The Weather Channel soon would be history. It would be the first time Landmark had totally failed at a venture in which, Land in which Batten said it had invested so much hope and pride as well as money. He could not know then that the Weather Channel dubbed one of the most preposterous concepts on cable television, was on its way to solvency and to becoming a cultural icon. 26 years later, Landmark would sell the Weather Channel for $3.5 billion. 
starting the network was a risk he was certainly glad he took. And I'd like to show you part of a video. This was done for the 25th anniversary of the Weather Channel, and it was strictly for in-house. So people haven't seen this, except for people who work for Landmark or the Weather Channel. And I think it's particularly fun because there are some bloopers in it. And you'll even see Jim Cantore with hair. Directing storm systems across the U.S. The weather channels come under a lot of criticism from some mm -hmm. for using sex and violence to pump up its ratings. How would you respond? I haven't heard that criticism. Oh, it's um, been said. Randy, would you come uh, lend a little saliva, please? Some stormy conditions working through the Midwest. Home improvement expert Danny Lifford shows us how to pick a generator. Right in the front or in the... Well, listen, the worst is over. At least this... Whoa. It just really bothers me. I can't even concentrate what you're saying. To the lower 48. Whoops. Rich Johnson will be back in just a moment. We'll take a look at weather in Europe. That's right. We've got the... Maryland moving through Martinique and trying to watch the see washing the window. Right. We, want, we want to make sure you see good. A heavy rain in the Northeast. Andy? There's a lot of heavy rain in the Northeast today morning. Let's take a look at uh, some of our highs for Sunday. I, I don't know anyone except you that actually watches. Oh, come on. No, the Weather Channel. No, you... No, no, no. I use the Weather Channel. I love the Weather Channel. I watch it all the time. There are, like, stars on the Weather Channel. It's always exciting. I think yeah, most it, of us uh, recognize Jim Cantore when, you know, the wind is... Kristen Dodd was to withstand the most miserable weather conditions in the country. People quote the Weather Channel. I check the Weather Channel all the time. Watch Weather Channel probably every day. There are no reruns. I'm stuck on the Weather Channel. Sorry I'm late. The Weather Channel's got some pretty exciting stuff going on in Missouri. One would think, I mean, I think when I come in and I see this globe that you guys obviously have plans for world domination. <laughs> and that you sit here and... <laughs> Friday. The huge weekend outlook fans. Oh, it's on. It's on. Here we go. Here we go. Let's take a look at what's on tap for your weekend. Come on, baby K. Stay cool. Stay cool. Stay cool. Warm weather. Come on. Stay low. Hello. Warm weather. Right there. Who looks ridiculous now? Yellowstone country.
Thank you for watching. I'm Alexandra Steele. And I'm Paul Goodall. Thanks for joining us tonight. The weather today continues. I'm Marshall Seas. And I'm Heather Tesh. Severe weather is our main concern. We want to bring you up to speed state by state now. Earl Swift was my first editor on the book, and he's terrific. And we were trying to come up with a, a good title for the book. And Earl had a good one. It was called The Value of Values. And we really do believe that Frank Batten had values that, while he's not the only one with values, not the only businessman, was he? But there are so many people who don't have them, and he did. And there was another really good potential title that was in the Virginian Pilot Review, A Man of Means, A Life of Meaning. And again, I think all of you, one way or another, have been touched by Frank Batten, and he was just a truly remarkable man, and I was so honored to be able to do this book. So thank you very much.